When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I'm your host, Harrison Starr, a.k.a. HD underscore Star, on the Bird app, joined as always by Mr. Harmon Chillibrew, Banneros, Renboss23. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. You can call me Snack Brown now that uh, we're about to be getting that Big 12 money again, or SEC money rather, but I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a... A wild three weeks um, uh, as we the calendar turns into August, our podcast, we expect to, to become a little more weekly and we enjoyed the, the time away. It was weird because I, I had planned like an idiot to um, podcast on Wednesday and that would have involved me podcasting from a work trip at like 8.30 at night, which is normally when we do it, but I would have had to go to a site afterwards. So it was like a very, very narrow window. And that did not come to fruition because of a number of things. Mainly, uh, we drive down to Dallas. And, you know, when you drive, you're at the whims of whether you take back roads or not. So, um not salty because I think it was probably for the best that we didn't podcast because man, did stuff happen uh, in the latter half of the week. So it sounds like you tried to avoid a second location or you didn't podcast because a second location would be involved in your, your logistics of the equation. So I actually did bring the microphone that I have. Oh my God. And, and was planning to, I mean, it's a tiny thing, but it's like, it's silly. Like, I mean, it, it was a silly idea. It was very optimistic. Um, Lots of people would mistake that for something other than a microphone, too, I think. <laughs> yeah, the wrong person going through my back. What is this? Yeah, yeah. What uh, it, it is a microphone, and I get a lot of use out of it. I use it for uh, my meetings at work, at work, I guess, and other sorts of things. But you're right, it was, a, it was probably a bold choice to to bring it just in case anyone was snooping through my bag and trying to get my uh, switch to play Mario golf. Still holding out to buy that. I will, I am going to buy it soon though. I think Costco has it now so I can save $4. So I'm going to next to my head, head, hit that place up. I'm going to grab it. Fantastic. Uh, You, you were so anti Chaco last time and I want to know you hung out with some friends who had Chacos. Did that further entrench you or, did it uh, sway you at all? It's so funny because I'd never heard of them before when we podcast. <laughs> and then like three days later, a friend who lives in Minnesota, uh, he invites me fly fishing and I show up and he's wearing these Chacos that you were speaking of. And this all happens in like a you know three or four day span. Um, I mean, sure. They were good for fly fishing. I mean, I wore Crocs and then a third guy had waders. So we were just an eclectic looking group of fly fishermen 
in the backwoods of we drove 90 minutes to like lacrosse to fish in a stream there. Um, it was fun. I mean, good for him. He just started, he just started dating a girl. So he was able to, I think, hide them from her. She might not know yet. Um, but fine. I mean, like I said, I wore my Crocs, which I'll say are infinitely more fashionable. Um, especially, (laughs) especially my sick camo ones, sick camo Crocs. Um, yeah, I, I, that's, that's about it. I, I, I don't see myself wading into a pair of those. Another, and then the guy who was wearing waders, his other alternative footwear were, were um, Birkenstocks, which I've never owned, but I think I would be a Birkenstocks person. It's just so much money, and I understand the warranty and commitment to quality and everything, but is there like $200 out the door for like their basic, what, are, what you call it, a moccasin, or is it just a Birkenstock itself? Yeah, I, I'm not a Birkenstock person, so... Uh, you strike if, me uh, as one. No, I'm, I'm not. Like, I mean... It, uh, I, I guess it's the fact that my hair has been long yeah. for call it the better part of a, a year. Bit of profiling going on. Yeah. Um, no, I've never really been a Birkenstock person. Um, and to be fair, like the Chacos, I didn't get until probably moving to Arkansas. And here's the case for them. Uh, very multi-use as you have with your, your Crocs. Um, but I think you can, do more than you can in Crocs with your, with the uh, Chacos big time boat shoes. Incredible there. You can hike, hike, hiked in uh, Colorado with them. Now you you don't want to do super strenuous ones with them, of course, but uh, capability there. And you don't really have to worry about them getting wet or beat up. Like you could probably run them over with a mower, which is something I'm not going to try, but I think you probably could. And they, Come out the other side just fine. But that's that's yeah. enough. We don't get paid enough by Chacos to, to talk about them. I would, yeah. I mean, I might just start talking even more bad about them to negate the, the scare time we're giving them. To be, and to your point, they are lacking pretty much all fashion qualities. Um, what else? There's some, oh, another thing. Um, I was accosted last night for not liking nachos. And I want to understand where you land on like nachos as a food item, because I just, I just can't get behind them unless they're the like craft Tex-Mex ones where everything you want is all on the single nacho. My, like my best friend in Chicago, I lived, used to live with him, met him at Iowa. His like favorite food period is nachos. So he'll, every time we go out to eat and if it's a new restaurant and they have nachos, he's going to order them. And he has, he's very strict with his grading system and in his whole thing is like, you know, bad nachos are bad. And you know, the, the Delta between bad nachos and great nachos is greater than any other food stuff. And I sort of maybe like tend to agree with them because, you know, Chicago's a hoity toity place and there are gourmet nachos which is funny like some of the highest rated nachos in the city are his least favorite it's this pizza place (laughs) and i'll tell you about these nachos they are polarizing because i'll explain okay this pizza place and you order my nachos and it's like let's say a dozen to two dozen nachos but each not tortilla chip is individually dressed already yeah so it's not like a big pile so you oh you've seen what i've had i think it's totally unique and i think they're great i love them he absolutely hates them he can't stand them. 
See, that's that's how I prefer nachos. I mean, to, to me, and that to, I think that's a. I don't know if it where it comes from. Like maybe it comes from like the torta, right? Where it's like the the big nacho, essentially the big chip, and then you've just converted it to all a bunch of small of tiny tiny tortas. Um, I'm fine with those, um, but like last night, I I don't know if it was necessarily proving my point or just once again entrenching myself in the view that I had. I I sat by the oven and waited for rice to cook so that I could have rice and create a bowl of Mexican food instead of just heating up the, the stuff on nachos and having chicken nachos for dinner. It it was silly. You mentioned though, pizza nachos. There's one place in Dallas that has Italchos and they're like little pizza doughs that are tiny little fried things. Is that what the one you're talking about in Chicago is like? Like it's not traditional nachos? No, they're not. I wouldn't say they're pizza related. It just that it comes from a pizza place. It has tortilla chips, but it, it's like, you know, queso, traditional nacho okay. topping. So it's like each individual nacho has a specific, has cheese on it. And then they put like one jalapeno slice and one dollop of whipped cream and one spread of beans maybe and a piece of meat on it. And so it's like, just, you, you pop them, you know, it's not, no, no. And when you order a typical plate of nachos, you know, you'll, you'll get some dry ones, which is fine. Um, with these, each one is, you know, you get a specific, they come on a plate. And like I said, each one's like, you know, they had to get the perfect nacho to lie flat and it's, it's all dressed up for you. Yeah. I, I stand those. The other food thing I wanted to run by you. Oh no. Did I just forget it? Oh no. Oh no. I got it. So, um, Last couple of weeks, I've been doing the rotisserie chicken deal from the club Costco. store. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Sam's Club. That's, what I, that's uh, what I had for lunch on Tuesday. That's what I had for lunch on Tuesday. And what I will do is shred it and typically coat it in buffalo sauce to create a salad because I also got the giant thing of romaine lettuce. And that's the only way I can do it is if I eat like six salads over the course of 10 days. To, to uh, get my four dollars worth of romaine, but I Christina, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I basically do the same thing. I oh, I eat you know about half of it fresh, and then mm-hmm. I shred the rest and then put it. Um, and then I just I toss it in salad. I don't toss it in buffalo sauce. It's a good idea though. I did just do balsamic vinaigrette with it. And it's whatever. Yeah, that. But I do it so aggressively with buffalo. And by that, I mean like almost every single time I'll do a buffalo that Christina is just like, you're, you're overloading on buffalo. So my question is, how much buffalo sauce is too much buffalo sauce? I mean, I go through so much hot sauce. Uh, so yeah. Like in my parent, like when I'm home, like cooking, I have to be really careful with how much hot sauce I put or like spice I put in like the food because... <laughs> Like they'll say somebody is un- like unbearably spicy and I don't even feel any, like I feel bad. Like I've ruined dishes or like dinners. <laughs> it's like, it's so spicy. They can't eat it. Uh, that tracks so hard with the upper Midwest. It really just. Oh yeah. Well, it's weird too. Cause like I got sort of my affinity for spice. Like we would, I would, I would say my parents introduce spice into my household more. So than typical <laughs> Minnesotan families. Um, but still, I, I just took a, took off with it, I guess. Ah, uh, that cracks me up. That cracks me up. So n- nothing settled. I don't think 
Uh, except for dress nachos are the best nachos, and your friend is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been a week, Ben. It's been three weeks, but really the main reason that we wanted to get together was ahead of the football season, we get our beautiful realignment discussion that came out on, uh, I think it was Thursday. No, it was, yeah, it was Thursday because I was driving back. And, or no, it was Wednesday because I had fallen asleep in the car. So uh, my mind's all messed up. Anyways, um, OU in Texas, they're planning to leave the Big 12, presumably for the SEC. And I can hit this from a thousand different directions because I love realignment talk and it feels like the if there's a topic where we just need to hop on and chat extensively, realignment is the easy one to do. Um, but I guess from an OU te- Texas perspective, do you actually think they'll leave? I think that's maybe the first one, or is this like them playing hardball again? Because um, I think hardball. Well, I don't know. I really don't know. Like with the Longhorn Network, I, I don't really understand that whole thing. It feels like it sort of already sounds like a done done deal, but obviously it's far from it. It's I think it's just so funny because I feel like aren't there schools that can kind of do something about it? Like I, I feel like A and M can make a huge stink about it, right, and stop Texas from coming in. And then I, I saw something where it's like Oklahoma State can sue the pants out of Oklahoma because there's some, like, weird charter that was written in 1861 or whatever that, you know, <laughs> keep that says, you know, the same the two schools have to stay in the same conference or whatever. Um, and, I mean, that being said, if and when this happens, it's going to open up the floodgates to whatever. We're going to start grabbing – Tahiti Tech and whoever else we want, um, as long as they pass the AAU credentials. Um, but I feel like we're, that's going to look the other way too, because Nebraska didn't, right? Or did they have to put in an agreement that they will pass them after being in the conference or something? No. So to answer the Nebraska question, this yeah. remains like one of the great bait and switches of all time because they were an AAU member, and upon entering the Big Ten independently from that they had lost their accreditation so just a total shit show to be frank for for that to happen because how how often does that happen like i can't imagine that it's a ton of turnover because the big 10 so they i mean all their members are aau members except for nebraska and it's not like that type of thing comes and goes but i know there's a ton of uh, like research dollars um, tied up into it. You may know more, but uh, yeah, I mean, if that is the bar to, to hit, there's just only so many schools that can join the join the Big Ten from that perspective. Yeah, to put it more simply, AAU is basically how much money you commit to towards research, towards greater higher education okay. research. And I think like um, Iowa State... Uh, Nebraska's by far the lowest that does that. And then I, I was reading where it's like, if Oklahoma State joined the Big Ten or something, they have half as much as Nebraska even. So it's like, so that would never, so that would never happen. Um, you, you know, it, it's, I, I guess if it happens, uh, I think the best course of action is, you know, Iowa starts raiding the Pac-12, 
bring in your Colorados, your UCLA's, your USC's, your Oregon's, and um, play ball. I, I, if it were Jim Delaney, I wouldn't put OU in Texas past joining the Big Ten, just because to me, if you go to OU in Texas, you get them in a room and you say. And I think OU, OU has similar academic barriers because I'm not sure they're a part of the AAU. I can go ahead and check that after I'm done with this. But competitively speaking, like OU is going from a conference or a college football playoff regular to just another team in some respects by going to the SEC. And Texas goes from a team that hasn't once been in the college football playoff to a team that's basically competing at, at or below the same level of Georgia, Florida. I would say put A&M in that bucket. Auburn, maybe like there, there's just no differentiation in terms of like actual results on the field from Texas versus half the conference exaggerating and of course Alabama is the one on top of it. So like if I'm the big Denton, I'm doing everything I can to get into a room with OU and Texas to try and sell them on it because the dollars aren't that far off between the big 10 and the sec. And those two schools combined are probably the biggest brands because that's what this is about. It's about branding um, that may be possible for the Big Ten. I know Notre Dame's out there, but to me, those are like the three, unless they're really going to lower academic needs and like chase a Clemson or something like that. But that's just not going to happen. Like it's just not for the Big Ten, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I just think it's really interesting how this comes on the heels of like what happened with the Super League with soccer. Um, and how, I guess, you know, they learn nothing, I guess, from that exper- experiment. And <laughs> it's funny though. I'm not seeing like super great fan, a, a rally of rallying cry fans against it one way or the other. The, it, you brought up, you know, Texas operating at or below the level of those. I mean, they're well, inarguably below the level of Florida and Georgia without question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would, uh, Auburn's probably a good comparison, and that's not a compliment to Texas in any way, like at all. Um, you had, so that's why I brought up like first and foremost was the Longhorn Network is they would be a, they would would go from owning the pie to having to have their hand in Nick Saban's own pie. Uh, I, I from like I don't really understand. You know, obviously I haven't seen the books, and I never will. Even if I have the option to, I'm going to choose to not look at them because I don't. That doesn't sound fun. Um, but Texas, I don't see how they, they would make money from this. I, I just don't, especially they're competitively going to take a hit like their best season, uh, in the big 12, you know, most likely would bring them to, you know, um, the college football playoff conversation. Whereas, you know, winning 10 games, the sec isn't going to get you there and get you second or third place in the SEC to begin with, whereas it'd be first place in the Big 12. So I just don't get, you know, it feels like they're missing out twice on the potential potential to earn a lot of money. Same with Oklahoma, too. Like you said, they're a perennial 
playoff um, spot holder. And now they're going to be fighting three times as hard for, for a playoff spot, which I guess with the expansion of the playoff is less important. But still, I guess the point remains. And, I, and that's not something that really was brought up either. It was the expansion of the playoff. I mean, I guess the teams like Texas who, you know, nine wins has been their ceiling for the past few years if they're playing a schedule – like that's SEC grade, and if they do squeak out nine wins, I, I, they, maybe they would have a greater chance of making the playoff. Whereas nine wins of the Big Twelve is guaranteed, probably not. But again, I, I just really don't don't get it. Otherwise, other than to, to leverage more money from who I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think Texas is in uh, just a weird spot because you're you're 100% chasing the dollar by this move, and I I get it, right? Um, but to your point, like, at what point does fan sentiment come back to bite them? I almost wonder if Texas views it as they're willing to test it out and then maybe not even go back, but go to independence like hey if the sec thing doesn't work then we can basically return to the southwest conference days and schedule all the crappy texas teams like rice um utep i mean that they weren't in the the southwest conference but like they can cultivate their schedule annually to set them up for a lot of wins two or three marquee matchups and then go have their path to the playoff be that versus, Oh, having to be in a prize fight three or like truly a prize fight, like three to five times a year, because that's where they're, they're headed in the sec. And Hey, if you want to be the sec's Nebraska, go right ahead. That's all I have to say, because I, I think it, it could get ugly for him. And even, even OU, even OU's in trouble because like I said, college football perennial powerhouse. And now they're competing at least with Georgia and Florida and maybe Alabama, although Alabama to me, just they're the school on the pedestal. Uh, And maybe it changes with 12 going, but who knows? Who knows? Um, you had something good there that I wanted to react to. And two, we haven't even talked about basketball yet either. Yeah. What, what what this would do, I guess, you know, uh, Texas would become among the better teams in the SEC, right, for basketball. Uh, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I guess, if, you know, they get their Trey Youngs and Buddy Yields, right? So they get those one-hit wonders. Um, shoot, that wasn't what I was going to say, though. Um, I guess – Really, the ripple effect, too, it just hurts your Iowa States. It hurts your Kansases, Kansas States. I mean, Oklahoma State, their identity is tied to Oklahoma the same way, I think. Like, we haven't even talked about, like, or we briefly did, I guess, is A&M, what, four years ago leaves expressly to get away from Texas? And now right. and now they're back knocking on the door. I, I don't. I feel like they – are throwing a hissy fit. They have to. And there's no way, I, I think, you know, 
the stuff comes out this week that does without a blessing of some sort from A&M. Um, and I guess we'll see. Though, oh, the thing I was going to say is it, it's interesting now when, when you bring up how Texas might go independent, it, it, they're treating now college football the same way players are like treating the portal. Uh, I guess everything's nothing's nearly as permanent anymore because really, the world has just changed over the past two years. Things have to be more flexible. You can't really drive a, uh, you can't really steer a ship anymore. You have to be in a quick little sailboat. That's a great way to frame it because it's, to me, the destiny of college football is as a hyper-regional sport. That's just, that's where the players are. That's where the best players are to be more uh, on the nose. Um, And they're going to those schools. Like I I think uh, the athletics had stuff where, almost 80% of the five stars are going to four schools. And those schools are Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio state. And obviously all this stuff can change in the future, but you just look at trends now and are those sustainable? Cause like, can Clemson be Clemson without Davos? Me? Probably a fair question, but ultimately what the sec seems to be trying to do is put themselves in a position where if something I postulated was like, why wouldn't the SEC just go out and try and get the other four best teams and create their conference, call it a super conference, call it whatever, but create a mechanism where an SEC title becomes the premier championship in all of college football. And to me, that mechanism is getting to 20 teams if those teams include Ohio State and uh, Clemson, that gets you to 18, assuming Oklahoma and Texas come up, and then two others, whatever. Um, and then I, I, I just stand promotion and relegation, Ben. Like, you put the 10 best college football teams in a single half of a conference. You create it so that, hey – the bottom team is going down every year. The top team from the second 10 is coming up. And then you probably have like an eight, nine game, a two, three game. And you've created games where, which are interesting. And I think it's more about creating sustainable ways to generate annual interest because right now it, as a potentially regionalized sport it needs to appeal to everyone and i think by being different and and, and again the the 20 is probably a pie in the sky thing but you know in, in 30 years that may be the case where only 20 or 30 schools are playing call it high level college football and um i don't know like I, i'm that that would be where mine's at my mind is at if i'm them it's funny because I, I know I just said that we found things have to be more flexible and <clears throat> fast paced for the new environment. But, you know, the thing you're describing, uh, I, I just don't see happening for years and years and years, but I, I can see, I can see how you think, you know, that, that sort of is the future. And I'm just afraid that, you know, when, if, and when that happens, what, 
you're, you know, the, the 20 super league team and the relegation, everything does sort of college football lose its appeal. Does it lose its traditions? Does it lose its weird weirdness? Um, does it, you know, take away the things that make me like it so much more than I like the NFL? Um, and I realize it's cynical, but that's, I guess I, I don't think I'm the only person who's wondering that. No, and I, I think that probably segues pretty well into like, where does the, the Big Ten go from here? Presuming that my goal of OU and Texas becoming the 14th or the 15th and 16th teams uh, in the conference falls through. I mean, is it really the Pac-12 and trying to, to basically create the duopoly between the, the SEC and the Big Ten being the first to strike in terms of getting to a conference of that size? And I guess if that's the case, what schools are you adding to try and get it to 20? Um, because you, there just aren't many, right? I mean, that's the... The difficult part of this is there's just, you know, not that many brands out there as a uh, potential free agents. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe I think there's more than we think. Um, and, you know, we'll find out who's looking for greener grass. That's a good point. So I guess the, the obvious ones would be like Oregon and USC, right? Those would be like the two Pac-12 schools that have, well, I guess Washington's been to a college football playoff, which feels weird, but like mm. Oregon and USC feel like the two biggest ones with UCLA being third, especially when you account for their basketball history. Um, and then I guess the fourth would be Washington. But then like where I get super interested is how much stock are you going to put in to basketball? Because if that's the case, KU basketball, in my opinion, is like one of one in terms of available properties that are highly valuable, but that comes with all their baggage of, Oh, they're kind of in the midst of an FBI investigation and this school could not care less about football. Literally, they could not care less. Not, not even a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't know. Wouldn't you put UCLA in sort of that same in that, especially since I feel like with under with UCLA, their their stock is rising much faster than Kansas's. Which is to say, you know, Kansas can put out a great season, you know, win it next year without being surprised at all, but. I just feel like UCLA is on a really good trajectory. And um, I want to say McRonin's a coach, but that's not right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess in oh, terms of yeah. yeah, in terms of basketball, yeah, I guess it is probably Kansas and UCLA. And then, like, I think that that's the obvious way to go. If, if the Big Ten is looking to, like, generate and sustain rivalries, I think – if there's a way for them to get Kansas and Missouri, that's kind of intriguing to me because bringing Missouri in with Kansas comes all of that history, but there's also a ton of stuff that goes way back with Missouri and Illinois. Um, I think it's primarily basketball. So that's, that's always the thing here is like, 
you know, I, I think I prefer college basketball more than the average person. And then by comparison of college football, I'm probably lean 60, 40 basketball, but I, is college basketball that irrelevant in terms of these discussions? I guess that's probably the question, right? Because I think there may be ways to create some type of 20 where it's basketball focused opposite the SEC being football focused, but then um, do I really want that much more Big Ten basketball? I want Big Ten basketball to be uh, sometime a little more uh, aesthetically pleasing to the average viewer. I'm so sick of Big Ten basketball. I'm a Big Ten basketball truther. <laughs> um, so if we can get, we can pick and choose and get Iowa basketball to participate. Let's say the ACC. Um, or, or better yet, the Mountain West, uh, <laughs> and uh, football to stay in the Big Ten. Uh, that'd be an ideal situation. Uh, that's <laughs> funny what, uh, what like a super conference would be if you put, you know, Kansas, UCLA, like if, you, if they were basketball first schools. And then obviously there'd be teams that have, you know, where would you put, say, like, uh, I mean, there, yeah, there'd be teams eventually like UNC, you know, their football team would dominate that. Right. Um, shout out to snack Brown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I've seen that, uh, sort of topsy turviness would be, would be funny and cute. But again, it's a sort of wishful thinking. Yeah. I guess the, the speak it into existence for me would be like, if college basketball actually is a thing, you try and get Kansas and Kentucky and then Louisville as the – well, I guess I would get you to 17. Uh, yeah, because if you did Kansas, Kentucky, Louisville, um, why can't I think? Missouri, I guess, that's 18. Then UCLA and Oregon, 1920. And then wild card. Basketball only, Gonzaga, 21-team basketball conference. Everyone plays everyone for a schedule of 20 games. That would be just – but it's not going to happen if you're the Big Ten. The, Bi- I, the Big Ten, I, I think that that's a little harebrained even for, for them. With the NIL thing, don't you suppose pretty soon we'll see <clears> – <throat> players will be allowed to go straight from high school to the NBA again. So that's an NBA rule. Cause I know the G, but that's what I'm saying. It's, I know like it's, I think they're adjacent enough where I realize now players can go, can't they go straight to the G league from high school so they can still earn money. Oh yeah. Out. And the, yeah. And the G leagues created this incubator team where, uh, they are, paying them a higher salary than normal G league players to create it's like G league unite or something like that. Ignite. I don't know. It's silly, but like apparently some of those dollar figures are coming into close to a million dollars potentially. But I still think that the path forward for college basketball is maybe much more sustainable through name image likeness than college football, especially if you're a college basketball athlete. Like if you're Joey's camp and you could guarantee yourself a million bucks by coming back and playing with Iowa. And I'm not saying 
there's someone out there who's ready to spend a million dollars on Joe Wieskamp to endorse stuff. But to me, that's the path to creating a better product is by retaining people who would otherwise go early to the professional sports teams. Um, because that's, that's where the departure, the turnover is greatest or at least most impactful because you have your best players leaving to go make money and they should, but if they can make money, uh, while in school, I think that's always, uh, I, I'm, I'm more optimistic on college basketball than most. So I guess I don't know. And it's a, it's appreciated. doesn't go unnoticed. Yep. 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 So Ben, I think maybe do, do you have any final, uh, realignment thoughts? No, nope. get, the, get this out here. Alrighty. So I'm sure we'll return to it again this time next year. Um, unless something absolutely hits the fan, over the course of, of uh, the next uh, nine or 10 months. In other news, Ben, we got our first 2021 Iowa football depth chart and what a depth chart it is. Uh, what are some of your um, big takeaways and, and maybe most exciting things? Uh, you really... The only big takeaway I think was seeing your favorite guy, Keegan Johnson, yes, uh, became a wide receiver too after Tyrone Tracy, uh, which means he's already the biggest I think receiver, uh, in the not maybe not on the roster but in that group of four, um, mm-hmm. which to say it's kind of a small small group because he's at six one, but uh, other than that, nothing nothing really um, jumps out. There really weren't huge changes, I guess either. Um, sec- I think, you know, secondary more or less stayed the same. We saw, I think Castro, uh, moved up a spot in the safeties, which we feel really good about him. I think, uh, otherwise, you know, it's, I don't feel any different, uh, than I did before last time we got depth chart, you know, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago for spring ball. Yeah. I think where I'm most encouraged is 100% seeing Keegan Johnson there. Um, it's, some research I've done in the past, but my main hypothesis is like, if you do not contribute your first available year as a wide receiver uh, in the Iowa offense, then your days are numbered. And what I mean by that is like essentially crack the depth chart. Um, Sometimes it gets into the fifth player, but typically if you're in the first four, your first year available, then good things will very likely come to you uh, as an Iowa Hawkeye wide receiver. Keegan Johnson's the latest. um, But what I've looked at is like even transfers in Nick Easley being one, Charlie Jones being one. um, And then position changes, Marvin McNutt, the first year he was a receiver, huge impact. And then red shirts, um, which are like Tracy, um, Regani, are the two most recent, but most notable is probably DJK. So to me, that's a very, very good sign for, for Keegan Johnson, because um, I'm just, I'm as high as on uh, him as I, I could probably be for any wide receiver. And that's probably burned us in the past in terms of like 
Jay Shield hype. Um, Keenan Davis, <laughs> but uh, R.I.P. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Wait, what? No, he didn't, no, he didn't no, pass no, away. No, no, no. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Um, but then I guess behind Johnson as a freshman, I think that from an offensive perspective, the thing that is perhaps most concerning is the lack of depth along the line. I see one, two, three freshmen, um, and then another sophomore or two sophomores in Britt and uh, Nick DeJong. Um, Nick DeJong being a, a former um, walk-on who just received a scholarship is currently our starting right tackle. And that – I'm just – untested tackles have me very afraid. I, I don't know if you share the same sentiment. I guess – uh, it's going to be sort of a testament to see how the Iowa strength program does with the departure of Doyle because, you know, the offensive line and the, these tackles and specifically, you know, the walk-on kind of guys uh, are typically, you know, undergo a great transformation. And we'll see if that's able to, to happen again in, in this newfound strength program. I'm optimistic it can. It, it, I guess, you know, I have similar concerns all along the defensive line specifically, you know, that I've always said the interior defensive line, those two, you know, that those two spots, you know, it's largely younger guys and they're untested too. Uh, I think the, the nice thing about, you know, or the, the problem or I don't know, the counter with the offensive line thing is when you have guys like, you know, you have Linderbaum and you have shot and, you have it's and 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 Brett is a great great guard too. Um, sort of being able to help mask any mistakes. Um, I wonder if we do see you know maybe Britt's a you know if Britt kicks out you know we to play right tackle if if things ever go south or anything because you know you often say at the offensive line it's just your five best guys. Um, so we'll sort of see. How, how things go but if there's you know one thing if you're going to be unsure about one group i think you'd probably choose offensive line at iowa right just uh you know historically speaking they they get pretty good yeah i mean it i guess it probably depends on what type of offensive line it is like i i think you look back to 2015 and 2016 and those were offensive lines that essentially had five guards on them and they were pretty strong in the run game. And those statistics bear out by having like, I think what four 600 yard rushers in 2015, 2000 yard rushers in 2016, but they were very susceptible as uh, Ed Cunningham knows uh, to the pass rush. And that's why I'm most concerned about tackles especially when you look ahead to the schedule two relative juggernauts in Indiana and Iowa state right up. Um, and I mean, relative juggernauts in terms of Iowa would normally play, be playing a UNI type week one. Um, so, and Iowa state, their history speaks for themselves. So in that relative perspective, it's, it's going to be trial by fire for a lot of people that those very first two weeks and their fans in the stands. Will the natives get restless? I think that's 
that's disconcerting, especially because I'm, I'm not sure if you saw the competing rhetoric out of um, uh, media day, but Tom Allen has his team type team hyped to play Iowa week one. And Kirk Ferentz is basically penciling in the L right now. <laughs> Exaggeration, good. but good. Let him. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate, think- I hate how the, the first game there comes against Indiana. That's such a, that's talk about the SEC. That's such BS. Uh, I like it. I mean, I, I think it's just, it's just where we're headed. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. but, and, and it's what it was like last year. It's like, Kirk, you can't carry any of, any of the learnings over last year from playing Purdue week one. You're just going to chalk it up, not use any new motivational techniques or anything. You're just going to try and ramp up in the first three weeks of the season. Okay, man. And then defensively, you did mention the interior line. And while I think everyone and their parents are super high on Yahweh Black, No Shannon, Lucas Van Ness, and Logan Lee are three uh, untested guys behind behind Yahweh. Uh, So I am... I'm concerned there. Uh, I definitely am. And then especially when you look at the end spots, really hoping for Wagner to come to fruition. Um, And then Deontay Craig, freshman. So I I do like him, though. Uh, But we'll see. I mean, yeah, I'm totally fine. I feel totally fine about the defense just because of Phil Parker, again, our Lord and Savior. Um, so I, you know, the only other thing is, you know, could be even stronger. We could say, because Iowa got, you know, the Xavier, is his last name, Johnson fellow from UNI and he's going to believe Xavier Williams, uh, because he, uh, he was hurt all spring camp. And so the depth chart is always a reflection of how practice ended. And if he wasn't able to practice, he wouldn't be on it. So, you know, the, the secondary could be even stronger, uh, once he's healthy again too. That's a great point. Like I look at the the bottom seven positions, and I'm genuinely not sure I've ever felt more confident in a bunch top to bottom. Uh, I think the only true like question marks are the backup linebackers in terms of Mike Tim's Mike Tim and Jay Higgins, but you just go down the line. All the starters have been through it and then you have just a bunch of hey that guy uh behind them not to even mention to your point Xavier Williams but Terry Roberts can he make an impact Jamari Harris he's he's interesting and then Sebastian Castro is the guy whose high school tape is the one like high school tape I'll go back and watch because it is genuinely insane how he tracks guys <laughs> so uh, I've been looking forward to see him get the, to the field. And maybe, maybe this is the year that, that he does even in spot duty. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see defensive backs be, you know, land on the all big 10 and be for national awards day in and day out under, under Phil and Castro. And I think Terry Roberts is on here too. Uh, to- a true special teams um, warrior. 
and yeah, uh, behind Moss. So the, you know, the, we can feel good about, about these guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I think maybe, maybe that does it for today, Ben, you got any, anything else that's pressing you want to talk about? I don't think so. Is, is top shot dead? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I, I, I haven't killed, killed it yet, but, um, it's definitely been one of the things that I have not paid as much attention to as I've tried to, uh, lower my score on, uh, Mario golf here and there. Um, one thing, one pop culture thing worth mentioning, I had mentioned before watching West Wing. I feel like I've mentioned that I've watched West Wing for like the last six months at going back. Finally finished that. So on to the next show that has seven seasons out or whatever and trying to, to make my way through it. We'll see what it ends up being. But I was going to say, what's it going to be? I mean, I've, we've talked about West Wing on here, I feel like recently too even um and i didn't have great the best things to say about it uh how how are you gonna possibly arrive on on your new endeavor um so i think the one for sure it's like finally commit to watching peaky blinders the issue with that is like you 100 need the closed captioning which means i also need like more attention than i sometimes give to these shows. So that is, that's on the short list. There's another HBO show. Well, I guess Peaky Blinders is an HBO. West Wing is an HBO, but that's where it's on. Um, True Blood. I get it. Probably going to get roasted. I've seen True Blood. But it is the type of show that you can definitely like go in and out of. Keep up multitask during it's definitely like we've started going through it. So I think that that's going to be like the, the one that my wife and I go through. Um, but for me in terms of like, um, is it serotonin? No, the mel like the natural melatonin to, to watch before I go to sleep. Um, still, still searching for it. I haven't found one yet. Um, we'll see. It'll probably be some West wing equivalent though. Uh, but I, I I can't do any more Sorkin. That's for sure. He he's a uh, he's a guy. That's for that's it. He's a guy. I think he's, and he's flexing. He's flexing all of his guyness in West Wing yeah. too. Yeah, it, I mean it's good though. I mean, like I said, it, it's the nice melatonin to watch as you go down. Just like the way they chatter back and forth. It's very um, it works to get you to sleep. We'll see. Uh, what my next one is. If anyone has any thoughts, they can certainly let me know. Do you give Mad Men a try? I so funny story about Mad Men. I watched I th- it's seven seasons, right? I watched yeah. the first six as it came out week by week, and then the seventh is when I started dating Christina, I believe, and she tried to watch it one through six could never get into it by the way that she talked about the same thing happens literally every season, the same thing happens. So she went through it like three or four seasons and she stopped. And then that jaded me to not watch the seventh season. 
And maybe it's, maybe I just need to like, I've let it, it's my uh, bottle of whiskey or whatever. That's just, that's just aged. Maybe I just need to pull it out of the cabinet and just go straight with the seventh season and be like, all right, I finished this. I'm a completionist now. It's good. Yeah. Cause I did do Sopranos. That was a good one. Um, maybe a little different type of melatonin hit. Um, Quite different. One I've, one I've considered is six feet under. Um, I've heard that's because, good. Yeah. Cause I've only heard good things about it. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I'm not. I'm not necessarily tied to anything. Do you see? Is Dexter coming back? Did I see that? I think they're making a movie, or maybe not. But it is coming back in some capacity. I thought that stunk. That show was was pretty bad. Was not a fan. Um, What's another one? What's another another, uh, show that just stunk? I watched Weeds for a while. I remember watching that on the stream. Weeds was Weeds was good to start. Then that began to stink too. Um, Showtime shows just they're tough. The, the, yeah, they the, it's like they have a beginning and a middle, but then the the mm-hmm. end it's like ooh, we ran out we of mo- we ran out of money. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> go be a lumber lumberjack. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that'll do it, Ben. Uh, maybe maybe we finally get into a rhythm of the weekly Sunday podcasts and uh, get the get them up uh, as. The calendar turns to August, and the college football season feels even more imminent. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'll try and commit to staying sober Sundays, but yeah, we'll we'll make we'll make it happen. Oh, you don't need to be sober for this. Oh well, yeah. What's up? Right. I guess right now your um, scale of one, <laughs> scale of one <laughs> to ten. How excited are you for this season? Um. I mean, I'm excited. I'm very excited. I guess would be just a, a hopefully as excited as I would be in a normal year. I think. Um, I, I think things can change to to raise or lower that excitement too between now and September. Um, so I'd say I'm pretty excited. I, yeah, I guess I didn't ask the full question. One through ten. So oh. I, I I came to my. I think I'm a guarded eight. Yeah, eight sounds about right. Eight. I think eight sounds about right. If I felt better, maybe about one or two players on the team, it'd be higher. But <laughs> <laughs> if I felt if I, if I felt better about uh, the coach or the offensive yeah. coordinator or uh, the quarterback or yep, just yep, the yep. general health of the team, yeah, check, check, check. <laughs> then yeah, but so eight, given uh, the pieces that I have, eight's about as high as it can go. Okay. There we there you have it. We we have collaborated on on an eight. So Ben, I will uh talk to you later. Go Hawks. Eight is great.